So I think it's creating a, a critical mass inside the church because what's going to happen is if you don't have a church that's complaining, complainers aren't going to find someone to complain with. Yeah. If you got people that aren't fighting, that, that are fighting on mission, that are fighting forward to the advancement of the gospel and not fighting about petty things. I mean, we know these stories. I mean, people, churches split over wall color and carpet color. And I mean, stuff where you go, oh my gosh, like this is just so disheartening. You you want to create inside an expectation. Yeah, we, we don't fight about those things. Well, what about that? You know, you, you, no, we've we've we don't we don't deal with those things. And and by the way, that's behavior we don't we don't allow here. Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us in this episode of Dealing with Difficult People. With me is my friend, and producer of Streamers, the John Blosser. John, how's it going? I'm good, man. In studio? In studio. It's been a little bit. Back at it, dude. It feels good. It does feel good. We had a lot of guests all over the country and the world, but now we're back in studio. With the Josh Combs. The <laughs> pastor. The pastor, Josh Combs. Not just Josh Combs. I'm, forgive me, Josh. Pastor jo- Josh. Josh is a friend of ours over here at Streamers <laughs> and has been on the show in the past highly, highly... Sought, sought after, after. Yeah, yep. oh yeah, highest, for sure. High, well, some of the highest re- episode viewings. Yep, emails galore. <laughs> I'm gagging right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he is the lead pastor of the River Church. Josh, welcome back. Can you give a, our listeners a little update on your life and family and ministry? My blood pressure has gone through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> we had a nice pre-conversation. That was did. nice, just shooting Hunger the breeze, games. and then you guys stabbed me at the it beginning of this episode. We were just lavishing upon you, praise. You know, we're talking about dealing with difficult people, so, you know. <laughs> I honestly, when you texted me about that, I thought, well, there's a reason. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's pick our most difficult person to deal with. Oh, get out of here. And he can teach on how to deal with difficult people or be an illustration on how to deal with difficult people. Love it. Yeah. So any updates on your ministry, life, family? Good. Happy to be in the new year. Um, had a daughter get married last year. Congrats, which, yeah, yeah, thank you. It's uh, very surreal. I just want to give you guys that heads up. It's very surreal. Uh, wonderful. It was, it was great. And now I'm figuring out what it's like to have a son-in-law. Mm which is really bizarre. He's a nice guy, loves the Lord, serves the Lord. They serve the Lord together, which is great to see. But it's, um, uh, here's my son-in-law. Like it just, it, it just um, I have no idea how to be a father-in-law, and I'm sure he's got a terrible job figuring out how to be my son-in-law. So that has been really interesting okay. uh, over the last uh, year. So, Love it. Good. Well, welcome back. We're glad you're here. Thank you, guys. I'm happy to see you. Our pleasure. Yes, always a pleasure to see you. Always a pleasure. Let's jump into our discussion. Uh, I'm going to read for us from Romans chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. This is what God's Word says. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. 
For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. There was a lot of tension in the church of Rome. It was mainly involving disputes between Jewish and Gentile Christians. They had so many differences and their backgrounds created many difficulties. There would be misunderstandings and miscommunication. It would seem that it would be easier just to run away or start a church with people that just think the way you think. But this was all part of God's glorious plan to bring together people to be one in Christ. We are to be people of faith and love seeking to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us us. The Lord is the God of endurance and encouragement, and through his power, we can live in harmony with others, even people we may not see eye to eye with, or especially people we do not see eye to eye with. So how does this work out when dealing with difficult people in our local churches today? There are some people who are just hard to like and love. There are some people that need patience. There are also some people who are just troublemakers. How do you discern who is who and what to do for each person? How do you deal with difficult people while loving them well? Uh, there's what we call EGR, extra grace required kind of a person, EGR people. We're going to answer these questions and more in this episode of Stream Roots. So Josh, why does it seem that every church has difficult people involved? What would you say about that? People. <laughs> I, I was thinking through that question. I literally have on my notes. I need help here because it's just people. People are challenging what we do uh shepherding people working with people discipling people is difficult it's challenging people are are difficult i'm difficult i'm i mean i sing sometimes to my wife i'm hard to love hard to love I don't make it easy right because i'm i'm a difficult i i'm a very difficult person so i think that helps give me some grace for um for challenging people, for dealing with difficult people, because I know a lot of people, if if they listen to this, they're gonna be like, uh, "He's he's difficult." Let me let me tell you how to deal with that. So, but people, the the business of discipling people, shepherding people, uh, makes it makes it challenging, and uh, people have their own quirks, their own um, unique backstories. Uh, their unique church experiences, their unique family experiences, so all of those things go into the blender. As we, you know, as you guys know very well, and and make things hard. They really, really do. Yeah, sometimes you know, even local churches, pastors want to leave and go somewhere else, but it's like, yeah, the, those people exist wherever you go. <laughs> they do, I, and again, I, I think sometimes it's the the grass is greener for for pastors, for leaders, even for folks in the church. Like I'm going to leave here. And and go find, you know, the perfect church or yeah. something where everyone is in harmony. And it's just we are all. I, I use a phrase sometimes with different different contexts, but we're all fighting the fall. Yeah. You buy an old house, you're fighting the fall. You buy a new house, you're fighting the fall. We're all fighting the fall. Fighting the fall. And that has relational, huge relational, you know, implications for us. So yeah, the grass is never greener on the other side. And it doesn't mean that the circumstance that you're that a person might be in and and dealing with, you know, we've all heard stories of just nightmare situations relationally in churches. Um, so it doesn't discount that, but no, the grass is not greener on the other side. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's always going to be difficult people because people are involved. And like you said, sometimes we're the difficult people. And right. We don't, we don't even realize it, you know? Right. So. Yeah, if, you don't, if you're not dealing with any difficult people, you are the difficult person. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, man, I don't have any difficult people yeah, in my life. It's easy, man. It's you. It's you. <laughs> you're, you're the problem. You're the problem. So I think one of the things when it comes to this is sometimes – you know, God's desire and plan, it would have been easier. Like the church of Rome is a, is a great example of this. You know, the, you have the Jewish and Gentile tension that was going on there. And a lot of the Romans was obviously clarifying the gospel, being super ultra clear on that, but resolving this, this Jewish Gentile tension. Uh, and it would have been easier just to do a Jewish church or Gentile church, mm-hmm. but that wasn't part of God's plan. Yeah. You know, Jesus wanted to bring in people from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue, because that could be our ultimate allegiance. But sometimes when it comes into church, you have people who are difficult or people who uh, maybe are immature, but then you have people who are troublemakers. I mean, so how do you discern the difference between, say, an immature sheep and a wolf? Or, or a person who is, who is brand new to the faith or immature or maybe just blind on something and someone who's a troublemaker. Like Titus says, rebuke a troublemaker once and then twice and have nothing else to do with them. So, so what, what does that look like? You know, because sometimes people are difficult and then sometimes people are rabble rousers. You know, there's the Koros and the Abirams and the Dathans. Um, and so what, 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 is, what is your experience with that? Well, I think it, it, some of it is your skill set. Yeah, some of it is your your spiritual gifting. Are do you have the gift of discernment? And um, so, learning people, knowing people. I think I've used the phrase of you guys before, but I use it sometimes with our folks. Like I've seen this movie before, so sometimes you learn a difficult lesson, and then you're like, you start to see indicators. Like, ah, oh, man, this is like so and so, or this is like something else I dealt with. It doesn't mean it's exact same, but I think learning people and if it's a weakness of yours uh praying for an abundant amount of discernment but also surrounding yourself with discerning people so i have a brother who's a pastor in ohio incredibly discerning uh to the point where i've just said hey will you you know he was on our team before i said hey will you go to lunch with so-and-so i just can't get a read on them and he would go have a lunch with them come back and give me a couple succinct statements and be like this is this this is this this is never missed like mm-hmm. he he never missed one time i thought he was wrong he was dead right and so it, i think it's it's putting people on your team that have that gift of discernment whether that's whether you're hiring someone or whether you're going to put someone in a position of leadership or put someone on stage or give someone a bible study to lead or invite them in into a you know a deeper place of influence or a greater place of influence if you don't have that discernment it's, it's okay to say, I, I need to put some people in my life that have that, whether it's your spouse or whether it is a team team mem- member or another pastor, another elder. So I, I've been uh, thankful for that. But I think this is really, I, I thought a lot about this over the last few weeks um, with how do you discern if someone is immature or someone is a troublemaker? And so I kind of put some buckets together. Okay, so you might have someone who is um, immature, uh, so I have these kind of little categories. I put an, an immature person, a complainer, a fighter, a controller, and a destroyer. And I feel like I've encountered those and, and mixtures of those throughout you know my time in ministry. I think really it is looking, what are they doing? Like what, what are the actions? Sometimes we can fill in gaps or sometimes we can assume or prescribe motives on someone. We don't really know. So what are they doing? What are their actions? 
is this becoming a systemic issue in the church? I loved, as I told you guys before, loved Dr. Quick talking about, is this a body issue? Is there is there some long-term systemic issue in the church that precedes you, that predates you, that you need to unearth uh, and deal with? So I think the thorough diagnosis of what is going on and not jumping to conclusions. Uh, someone might just be working something out, out loud. Someone might just be having a bad day. And so not jumping to those conclusions, but I think those categories of people, there are immature people. Um, uh, Patrick Lencioni, or however you say his last name, has the the book, The Ideal Team Player. And in one of the kind of um, personality match description things at the end, he talks about, um, you know, the three characteristics, hungry, humble, and smart. And he says, if someone is hungry and teachable, but they're not smart, they're not relationally intelligent, he dubs them the accidental mess maker. So they might be immature, but they're very well-intentioned. And I've seen that. I've hired these people. I've put these people in spots, and they make messes. They say things, you're like... Hey, and so it's really about developing a you know an emotional relational wisdom IQ uh, with them, but but they make messes. So you got the the immature person, and then I think dealing with difficult people, you also have the complainer. And some people, this is just their their lot in life. You know, some people, this is just what they do. They don't know how to they don't know how to function if they're not complaining or critiquing something, and so. I think the discernment with that person is when does complaining uh, become a cancer? Mm. When when have they taken, like Psalm 1 talks about, when have they put themselves in the seat of the scoffer? Mm. And um, I warn our team, I when I talk about that passage, I always say that the, the seat of the scoffer is covered in super glue. And when you sit there, it's really hard over time to, to get pulled out of that. And it really is painful. Um, and so I think keeping an eye on, okay, is this person just a complainer? Then address that. Warn them with the scripture, Psalm 1. Hey, you're sitting in the seat of the scoffer. And I just want you to understand that's, 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 that's a bad habit to be in. That's a bad spot to be in. It's a dangerous spot to be in. So I think it's maybe, again, I try to, I oversimplify stuff sometimes, but then I'm able to simplify complex things. So if you got a, you know, someone who's immature, okay, help help coach them, help help bring them to some wisdom. Maybe you got a complainer, maybe you got a fighter, maybe you got someone that's just feisty about everything. Maybe you got someone that's got a lot of drive. And I sometimes I'll explain to our team, you know, some people are like cannons, and you as a leader need to make sure they are pointed in the right direction. Uh, because a, a, a cannon or a feisty person pointed in the wrong direction just causes all kinds of damage. But if you can get that energy pointed in the right spot, um, man, it really can be an engine. It really can be a catalyst for a lot of great things in your church. But the other bucket I threw in there was a controller. Some people don't know how to function in any relationship or protect, particularly in any organization unless they're in control. Mm. Uh, they may have been, you know, a boss, or they may have been a CEO, or they, they may have been some sort of supervisor, and um, they don't know how to be not in control. Those people are challenging, and I think looking to see, okay, the, I, I'm sitting to have lunch with this person. I understand. Okay, now they come from a background where they uh, called the shots. They they built a business. They yeah. were you know the owner. They were the the CEO, or they were a previous pastor. And hey, they're re, quote unquote retired now, and they've shown up and want to be involved. 
that's a difficult adjustment for a lot of those folks to make uh, to to not be uh, in control. And you know, I think about you know Titus three, like you talked about, troublemaker. Um, you know, are they able to say, "Hey, I have some some small doctrinal disagreements, but I'm going to uh, submit to leadership here." And um, so, I think it's addressing those types of controlling things. And then you have people from Acts 21 that Paul warns about that will destroy. And you know, this is going to be ridiculous, but I'll quote Batman. Uh, actually, <laughs> I'll, I'll quote uh, I'll, I'll quote from Batman. It, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. You know, Alfred says that, and it's like some people do. And there are, you know, to a broader sense, that first question: Why does the church seem to have some difficult people involved? It's because what we're doing is eternal value, and there's a spiritual battle mm-hmm. that that's playing out, and you know. People are going to infiltrate the church from the outside and from the inside. That warning from Acts that Paul gives to the Ephesian elders, I think, is really sobering. And so I don't, I don't want to jump to a conclusion. Not that you were insinuating, but like you know, people are immature or they're a wolf. Like no, there's obviously degrees in there, sure. and it's it's discerning what's going on here. And you're going to have people that just want to create destruction, that just want to create havoc, that just want to see Nehemiah not build the wall, that see the that want to see the children of Israel go back to Egypt. That they're, they're going to want to see the work come to an end. Um, Paul talks about um, the coppersmith and uh, Alexander, Alexander. Right? yeah, Alexander Copper did me great harm, yeah. right? He said so. I think there's there's people that are going to want to do you great harm, and if you're not super discerning about that then you'll put them in a position of a, of power because they may be winsome or they may be charismatic or they may have money or whatever the reason might be. And that'll, that'll crush you. And so I think it is partnering with discerning people to go, okay, who am I dealing with? Who is this type of person? And then what is the shepherding? Like you implied there, what is the shepherding that needs to happen with this person? This person always wants to fight about everything. You got to sit them down and say, listen, you're spending all your energy wanting to fight about everything. Why don't we fight forward for the kingdom of God? Let's 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 use that energy in a, in a positive direction. Hey, you always want to be in control. Hey, that's just not going to happen here, and, and here's why. So I think it's figuring it out. But also, when you got a destroyer, when you got an enemy in the midst, you know, as we'll talk about in a moment, you know, knowing how to deal with that. I think the different passive church discipline as well help to discern. What are, you, what are you dealing with? If you're confronting someone who truly loves the Lord and you say, listen, this, this is a sin issue that I'm seeing in your life. You've, you've sinned against, you know, uh, John, you've sinned against Mark, you've sinned against me. He, we have to address that. Um, a person who knows the Lord in that moment or in, in, in short order is going to come to repentance. Like they don't want to hurt the body of Christ. But when you got someone that wants to just destroy the the church discipline will will unearth that. That'll reveal that uh, character and who that person is. Mm. Yeah. Well said. Do a recap again of those the, those people you you had there. Yeah, I just said that. I thought there kind of there's a category of immature, and then I've dealt with people that are difficult who are complainers, <laughs> fighters, controllers, and then there I think there are people that are destroyers. Destroyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like Acts twenty yeah, twenty four too as well. Watch out. You know, this is going to come in people who are. We're gonna, yep. for their own appetite, destroy the flock. Try yep. to, yeah. Okay, so so how do you deal with some of these? Like you said, church discipline for some things. 
Other things are just correction. Other things are just patience, right? So what would you prescribe? You, you gave a little bit of that when you described them. You know, like I love that analogy of the camp. We, some, we need, sometimes we need big personalities. Right. right. I heard John Harbaugh, he was the coach of the Ravens. And, uh, you know, they're like, how do you deal with all the big personalities on your team? And this is when they like won, right before they won the Super Bowl. He's like, well, we need those big personalities. We just need to get them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's what my job is to do. I, I often find that pastors are intimidated to deal with big personalities. And I don't know, I'm not implying that it's an ego thing every time, but those are harder people to lead. Super talented people, super high level people. It's a challenge to the pastor's leadership capacity to lead that person. And um, I think there's the, there can be insecurity uh, that can cause problems with that, which we'll talk about in a moment. I think how to deal with them, first of all, is having God shape our character. I think that is is first and foremost. And I was thinking about Moses and the God's development of his character. He wants to be the leader. He knows God is going to use him to be the deliverer. His timing, as we know, is way off. And to deal with a difficult person, he just kills him. <laughs> like he just kills the Egyptian. And then he goes out for 40 years and he comes back as a changed man. And you really see God's shaping of his character i love exodus 34 where it talks about the lord just being slow to anger merciful forgiving you know that just a beautiful passage we see through all throughout quoted all throughout the old testament that character god's character needs to become our character and so it's not that we're never angry or it's not that we're ever you know unwilling or lack courage to to deal with an issue but we're we're slow to anger and we're merciful and we're forgiving and we're interceding for our people we're interceding for the flock of god we're remembering that this is the this is the bride of christ we're not the groom we are the groomsmen and and i think it's just remembering those types of things but i also think it's having courage i mean i think about what paul says to timothy in 2 Timothy 2.24, correcting your opponents with gentleness. So there are going to be times we're going to correct people, and that's difficult. I mean, I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of sympathy for a guy, let's say in a church of 75 or 100 people, 30 or 40 of them are related to each other, you know, multi-generational, and you, you make, you know, the matriarch or the patriarch of that whole crew upset they stop giving. You don't get a paycheck. That takes a lot of courage. It's to me, it's easy to throw stones at big name guys, but I think there's also a great challenge in just in the average church in America for a guy really to have the courage to correct opponents, to correct someone that has become a complainer, or to correct someone who has become a destroyer, or to correct someone who's become a controller, a fighter, or correct someone who's immature, like. Those are difficult things. I, I think the Lord, to me, I, I think the Lord really honors that because no one is seeing that their name isn't in lights, but but they are correcting their opponents. And we have to do, do that with uh, gentleness. And so I think it takes a lot of courage to see a sin issue in the church or to see uh, difficulty in the church or dealing with a difficult person and knowing, okay, this is becoming poisonous. I think it falls uh, under, you know, shepherding the flock of God yeah. and and doing that with courage. And um, to circle back, I think the accurate diagnosis, what is actually happening here? 
What 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 is what is the the actions of this person? Not not what am I afraid they're going to do? Not what have I heard they're doing? What are they doing? Stay on point there, so that you can honestly and and accurately deal with the difficulty uh, with this person. So to me, it's it's the Lord has to shape our our character so that we know how to deal with that. Yeah, and the courage to deal with it. And sometimes, you know, you go out with a, a conversation with somebody. Like, uh, you know, we had that. There's always difficult people or difficult situations. Sometimes a person's not trying to be difficult. And it's like, hey, what, what's going on here? Why are you complaining about this? Or why are you causing an issue here? And like, well, I thought this was happening. It's like, no, that's not happening. This is actually happening. Or they point out something that does need to get fixed. And it's like, okay, well, I didn't know about that. Let's let's take care of that. Thanks for letting me know about it. And sometimes like that one conversation or a sit down or a coffee or coming to the office or solve so many of these issues before they blow up, you know, before they blow up. I mean, that's the, you know, the next thing you wanted to talk about was wise humility. And, and I think it is being willing to listen. Ecclesiastes talks about in chapter seven talks about, do not take to heart all the things that people say you yourself know, like (laughs) you, right. You, You yourself know you said stupid stuff. So don't, don't take that all to heart. So I think it's having the humility, but also people want to sit down with you and say, what's up with this? And for me, again, this has happened in my life more than I would like to admit. I'll be like, oh, I didn't know that was going on. I, did, I didn't know that was happening. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. We dropped the ball on that. Or let me let me dig into that. I didn't, I didn't know that was happening at one of our locations or a ministry or whatnot. So I think it is being quick to listen, um, and slow to speak, slow to anger, to, to take James there. I had a guy... I almost, I, I thought about it and I just didn't walk out and get it. He, I'm going to say almost 15 years ago at the end of one of our gatherings. So I was much younger and preaching some really stupid sermons. And the, <laughs> the bulletin was covered with critiques of my sermon. And he lit me up. I'm talking lit me up. And it was the day before Labor Day. And it, I was, I was, so kind of caught off guard and he i just so listen can we can we do this tomorrow can we can we meet tomorrow not thinking about it tomorrow's labor day i'm gonna be at the pool of my kids and friends and i'm like oh man so i leave the pool drive and on the way there and i'm just livid you know my my heart is racing i'm ticked and i i'm praying god help this guy to understand essentially I'm paraphrasing whatever it was, how stupid he is or how dumb this is. Help this guy to see you. And I remember I was, I'm going to say, a hundred feet from the office. And the Lord was like, how about you pray that you'll hear from me and not him? And it was just this whole absolute, everything flipped. My whole demeanor changed. And I was able to listen to what the guy had to say. And I just, I remember, I have this snapshot in my mind, seeing the office on my left, I'm about to pull in, and the Lord was like, hey, how about you want to see me and not, you know, praying that he hears from me? And it just totally changed it. A lot of times, difficult people, as you mentioned, have some good things to say, have some stuff where you go, yeah, that's that's hard to hear, and you're not necessarily delivering it in the most palatable way, but man, that I needed to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know I was coming across that way. And um, so 
sure enough, I mean, the guy still goes to our church, and I talked to him yesterday. Oh, yeah. So I, I mean, it's I praise the Lord for that, but I think it's it's being willing to listen. I think the other warning too is to not be petty. Okay. Um, to not be petty, to not be defensive, and oftentimes, at least for me, I'm I'm wired as a fighter. Don't get into dumb fights. Do not do that. Um, and I think sometimes in those moments we get we get we get lured into it. We get pulled into being petty, fighting about dumb stuff. Hey, I thought your sermon was terrible. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you could have done better on this. Yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of ways you can diffuse those situations rather than being like, well, you thought my story was stupid on Sunday. Well, let me tell you what I think about you. Like, yeah. well, maybe the story was stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. And so I think it's, it's not being petty. Sometimes it's just listening and, and people are really disarmed, right? It's a soft answer turns away wrath. Sometimes people are really disarmed because you don't want to fight about it. Yeah. Like, why did we do this in the church? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, here was the thought process that went into that. I, we probably missed what we were, we were hoping to accomplish on that. I think that really diffuses difficult people. You're, you're disarming them rather than, you know, trying to, to stir up uh, a fight. The other thing too, I think with difficult people, and I mentioned this a little bit in, in passing earlier, is really pride. We want to puff up when someone wants to attack us or challenge us on some things. Or the other face of pride is insecurity. And we're not secure in the seat that the Lord has put us in. And so now that person has that control over us. And, and so we're looking for their affirmation for the seat we're in. No, God put me in the seat. I'm not going to be prideful about that. I'm not going to use that like a, a, you know, a hammer. But God put me in the seat. I'm going to be confident in that. And sometimes I think we're, we don't want to talk about the, the sin of pride that is insecurity and not being confident in gifting, not being confident in the seat that God's put us in. And that causes us problems when, when difficult people want to attack us or they want to ask hard questions. We fold rather than having the courage to say, uh, here's why we did that. Here's why I felt like the Lord was leading us this direction. Mm-hmm. Hey, I made that decision. Um, and, and here it is. Um, so I think that humility and, you know, like you, the question you wrote, you know, being quick to listen and love is so important. People are going to be difficult. But um, don't don't be petty. Don't be getting into a fight. Yeah. Just just people are going to say stuff that you're going to have to not be offended by. <laughs> Unoffendable. <laughs> <laughs> just talking about that book yep. before. Yeah, I love that. You know, like James says, you can be slow to anger, quick to listen, and slow to speak. Right? That's just the the, the aspect of humility to, to do that. And I think you hit it right in the head, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Like, I'm not here to fight with you. You're not my enemy. We have one enemy. And, right. uh, and I might disagree with what you have to say, or maybe I agree with it, or maybe maybe I was wrong, you know, but let's, we, we can figure these things out. And it does disarm people, especially if you come in with the approach of humility. Like, have I done something to offend you? And uh, it disarms people because you're not expecting that. Yeah, I, I always tell our guys, I mean, don't, I'm, I want to be quick to apologize for the delivery of a mm-hmm. sermon. Mm-hmm. I'll never apologize for the content of a sermon, but be, be, yeah, I've, I'm sorry. I said it that way, man. I was, I was in a bad spot. I was angry. I didn't need to be angry there. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I should not have said it that way. Please forgive me. And it's, 
you know, God resists the proud. God gives grace to the humble. So when we're dealing with difficult people, humility opens the door for grace. And if that person knows the Lord, man, that you're going to see them become a channel of that grace uh, for you. And that conversation will turn man alive. That conversation, I've trying to, I won't tell this whole story, but I remember a conversation where one of my guys was going to get lit up and I coached him on some different stuff, came to the meeting. And I remember the folks at the end of the meeting said, well, that went totally different than we thought. <laughs> and, and it was, there was, there was truth. We, we spoke the truth. We spoke the truth in love. And to me, that was very instructive um, going forward. That It's okay to be bold. It's okay to speak the truth. Do so in love. Do so with gentleness. Correct as you need to. Um, and and don't, don't just be afraid. And, they may, and it may not turn out that way, but you can be like, hey, I, I honored the Lord in that conversation. And they want to be a... They want to be a fighter. They want to destroy. They want to be a complainer. I, I can't change that. I think that's the other thing I was thinking about is, you know, determine the boundaries of your responsibilities. What are you responsible for? Take ownership of that. You can't change someone's behavior. You can't control it. And that's okay. Yep. You can only control what yourself, right? In those yep. things. Yeah. So, so here's like a, a good question. I think how can we pursue unity when we don't see eye to eye with others on certain things? Cause there's, one of the aspects in Romans was like, hey, some of you honors one day as holy, others honor all days holy, but the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. And so there's certain things where I think there's hills that we die on that we don't need to die on. And there's hills that we should die on that we don't. Um, I agree. And so what does that look like? Because the church is this conglomerate of different people and backgrounds. And you said like different experiences and some of that, there's a beauty in that, but there's going to be things you're not going to see eye to eye on. So like we did a harvest fest thing recently and some people who did these trunk or treats, they would dress and I think it was super inappropriately, but maybe they had like skeleton paint on. And like, this was like a huge thing to, to a person. And he talked to me about it and he, probably, he came with me with humility. And I said, you know, you're right. Like as a church, we probably shouldn't, have any of those things in our stuff. And so I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you. I, I don't, I didn't see it that big of a deal, but you maybe you point out some good things and, and I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. You know what I mean? So it was just the different, I didn't see eye to eye on it, but it's also like, okay, you can learn from that. So, so what does that look like though, Josh, in our churches and our ministries and our lives? And how do we pursue unity in these things? What's well, interesting that Romans would allow for that, right? 14, let every person be convinced in his own mind. And there's so many just theological cornerstones established, <laughs> you know, theological foundational pieces, you know, for the whole beginning of the book. Um, so, you know, when I think about that, I think it's, we have to draw, what do we have in common? Uh, if a person knows the Lord, the, the gospel is this uniting force. And, and in that, I don't think we need to be afraid to be winsome. To me, I always, when I was much younger, the idea of being winsome struck me as being manipulative or political. And I, don't, I think it can veer into that, and that's wrong to be manipulative, to, be, to, to play politics. There's nothing wrong with being a winsome uh, to people. And you talked about the fights that we, we don't need to fight. I think we need to be 
wise uh, about our rhetoric, the words that we're using, because in those conversations, we do want to be clear, but we also don't want to be inflammatory. We don't need to hand, we don't need to escalate the situation. We need to deal with it honestly. We need to deal with it directly. We need to deal with it clearly. Knowing what the real issue is, address that and and stay stay on point, stay on topic. Don't get drawn into all these other things. Well, what about this? What about that? Like, you know, deal with what's there, but don't be inflammatory. Um, you know, in in that conversation, be clear, uh, but don't be inflammatory. I think the other thing is, you know, creating unity. I think it's setting expectations, particularly for pastors in the church. What's our church going to look like? Yeah. You know, for me as a pastor, what will I do and what will I not do? How's our church going to operate and why? And so, you know, in that thing that you're talking about with the, the Harvest Festival and, you know, skeleton stuff, people do have, you know, we've encountered in the last two years more sensitivity to those types of things. So we've had to go, okay, how, how why are we doing this? Let's address why we're doing this. Let's, let's speak to these issues um, maybe someone has an issue of conscience where they don't want to be part of something. Like that. Okay, um, and and so I think it's 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 setting expectations. The other thing that I would say for a pastor that's really important and strategic is it's establishing a critical mass, a critical mass inside of the church. Maybe you're in, you're you're new. It's it's winning people to your vision, your philosophy. Longevity is going to hopefully do that. But it's winning people to that so that every person is not knocking down your door. You have leaders in the church. You have key people in the church, deacons in the church, other elders in the church that are helping to cast that vision, that are helping to deal with complaints. Wow, I thought it was so stupid we did that. Oh, you thought it was, well, let me tell you this story. I was, I was talking to a pastor the other day, and man, this family came and they came to know the Lord through this event. Like, oh, what? I didn't know that at all. So you, you have other people who are part of that crew that are helping to deal with difficult people. If you're the office that's only dealing with difficult people, mm-hmm. like you, man, what a what a nightmare. I mean, that that's Moses, sun up to sundown, dealing with all these. I mean, what a what a terrible thing. So I think it's creating a, a critical mass inside the church because what's going to happen is if you don't have a church that's complaining, complainers aren't going to find someone to complain with. Mm-hmm. If you got people that aren't fighting. That, that are fighting on mission, that are fighting forward to the advancement of the gospel and not fighting about petty things. I mean, we know these stories. I mean, people, churches split over wall color and carpet color. And I mean, stuff where you go, oh my gosh, like this is just so disheartening. You you want to create inside an expectation. Yeah, we, we don't fight about those things. Well, what about that? You know, you, you, no, we've, we've, we, don't, we don't deal with those things. And, and by the way, that's behavior we don't, we don't allow here. And one of the dilemmas I see is that pastors create structures, and then in their personal conversations, they, they fuel the fire rather than extinguishing the fire. And so then you just, you just have churches that become filled with complaining or constant. The culture is just fighting. And man, is it destructive to uh, the gospel message. Mature mm. believers never grow up to be, uh, excuse me, immature believers never grow up to be mature believers. So I think in dealing with those those conversations, it's what do we have in common? What's our unity? Don't add to, you know, don't give them ammo. Don't be inflammatory. And then also, here's the reality with some difficult people, some of them are going to walk away. Yeah. And you got to be okay with that. You, you have to be confident in, in where you are 
And for me, when someone would walk away, I'd be deeply offended years and years ago. And when I was earlier in ministry, I'd be so offended, be just so crushed. And it would make me mad. You know, that would be the default emotion for me. And so I would burn bridges. And well, on your way out the door, let me give you my two cents, you know, and just make a <laughs> moron of myself. And so I, for me now, it is, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been preaching in the same spot for um, 16 years. And I've been part of the same church for, you know, on staff for, you know, 20 or 20 to 25 years now. And so some of that longevity which I'm thankful for, you know, grace of the Lord only. People have left, and when you don't burn the burn the bridge, the bridge is still there for them to come back. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. That that reconciliation is a beautiful thing. So I I think one of the challenges with dealing with difficult people, at least for my personality, I mean, some people fight or flight, right? Some people are going to want to flight, and I'm like, let's fight right now, and I'm going to tell you how stupid you are. And the Lord has tempered that and helped me be more strategic about it. But don't burn those bridges. Don't burn the bridges with difficult people. Um, because like you said, you, you, you also don't know what's going on in their life. You also don't know their, their and sometimes you do. And, and that is, to me, allows for more grace and more compassion, more patience. But someone's, someone's had a terrible year. Yeah. You know, someone's had a, a death in the family or someone's got financial difficulty. I mean, there's, there's this strain in their life. And so I think it's being being patient uh, with people. Uh, mm. Yeah, well said. <clears throat> well said. Uh, I think those are all really, really good things. I really enjoyed our, our, our episode here. Um, any highlight, any resources you want to highlight? <laughs> I didn't write any down. I'm sorry. <laughs> Josh Combs book. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Uh, dealing with, that'd be a great, great book. By dealing the way. with difficult bestseller, people. man. Oh my goodness. Autobiography. <laughs> Yes, that is the. Oh, dude, I, I, I genuinely mean this. I've been a, one of the most difficult people. My wife will attest to that, and so it's, it, it does give me a lot of grace with people, and you know, I, I've inflamed so many different conversations with rhetoric that I look back and go, I was so reckless, that was so careless, that was not caring to people. And, and I'm thankful that the Lord is so patient with us. I'm so I'm thankful the Lord is patient with me to shape, Praise God. shape, mm-hmm. you know, shape character. So it's like be slow to anger, Don't, yeah. calm down. It, it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, there's one I would. Uh, um, there's a book, Unoffendable, that we're reading as church staff. That's a great book with dealing with people who are difficult and um, not be not letting other people control you. So just letting the spirit control you. Okay, great. Well, Josh, thank you for your time and insight, being in studio. Love it. Appreciate it. Always appreciate you and your ministry. Uh, I want to sign off here. Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at barnabasministriesmi.org. That's barnabasministriesmi.org. If you find this podcast helpful, I encourage you to subscribe or leave a review or rate our podcast or tell a friend. It allows us to get God's word out to more and more people, and we'd be grateful if you did. We release an episode every Monday morning, Stream Roots, drawing deep from the living water of God's Word.